everyone to district divided a dc sports podcast more specifically a washington commanders podcast i am amith that is kdot the purpose of this episode is to recap the loss to the san francisco 49ers who are on fire at the moment uh and meanwhile we made ourselves a quarterback change so we're going to talk about the game we're going to talk about the quarterback change first as always we begin with kdot kdot how are you how was your christmas etc i am the greatest cool I said that even before i knew i was um <laughs> oh, I was willing to roll with it until you said that part. Oh my god. Go ahead. How about I leave, baby? Um <laughs> uh Christmas has been great. I lost a lot of money. Um, they should really stop FanDuel from offering me shit. Um fucking one leg on parlays all goddamn weekend. Um it's been a you pain and a lot ass. of people, my friend. You and a lot of people. <sighs> oh, motherfucker. But uh beyond that, I mean, um uh, d- commander's game went about a way as I thought it was going to. And um yeah, just wasn't happy about it, but I uh, still managed to pull together an okay Christmas. Okay. How about you? How yeah, about no, you? I, it was it was a good Christmas, hung out with the fam. It was a good time, had some friends over, which was nice. Uh that you know, didn't have fam in the area, so it was good to see them, good to see the family, saw some movies. It was a good time. But uh, but like you said, hey, let's talk about this game, right? Uh, so we lose 37 to 20 against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Um, now, we did, from a playoff picture perspective, maintain the seven seed. And it's very important to note that. So with two games left against the Cleveland Browns and against the Dallas Cowboys, both home games, if we win those two, we are in. Okay, so first, let's start there. Now, let's talk about this game because a few things happened, KDOT. Um, the passing game actually looked pretty good to start the game, but a quarterback change eventually occurs. Taylor Heineke finished the game 13 of 18, 166 yards, two touchdowns, a backbreaking pick, uh, and a lost fumble as well. Back to back possessions, there were two turnovers. Ron Rivera makes the call to make the change to Carson Wentz, who comes in 12 of 16. 123 yards and a touchdown in relief. Uh, both quarterbacks finished with a passer rating above 110. Both quarterbacks from a QBR, the ESPN statistic perspective, were zeros the worst, 100's the best. Heineke finished with an 84.1, and Wentz finished with a 70.6. Just take that to mean both played pretty well at that position overall. Um, Brian Robinson, 22 carries 58 yards. We said, stick with the run, give him the ball. We did. And I think it did help. Uh, honestly, I know that you look at the average of 2.6 and you go, no, it's not good. I actually think he did what he was supposed to do. And it did help out the passing game. Um, and then each of our big three McLaurin dots at Samuel, each catch a touchdown, each look good. Um, and then on defense, we sorely, sorely missed one Cameron Curl uh, at the safety position, George Kittle, who he was going to be responsible for helping coverage with and even taking on one on one six catches, 120 yards and two touchdowns to help Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy uh, in that game. So, K. Dot, let's go ahead. 
And let's get to the thing everybody wants to talk about. Carson Wentz got put in for Taylor Heineke. Ron Rivera has not named a starter, but I think it's pretty clear in the way in which it occurred that he was looking for any moment to be able to pull Heineke because I think in Ron's head it is Carson gives this team a better chance to win long-term and we need to see what we have. So talk to me about it. Were you okay with the way in which it occurred? Is it irrelevant? And how do you feel about Carson moving forward? Because he will be the starter. I love that you added that piece at the end. It is fairly irrelevant in the way that everything kind of went down. Um, like I, you guys have heard me ad nauseum on this podcast talk about. I said podcast, but I on here talking about how this elite show. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is elite show. Heineke's play is frustrated. Even in this game, it frustrated me. Um, and the thing is, if you look at the stats, if you look at the QBR, if you look at those things, and you're like. Oh, well, he didn't really do enough to get sacked, especially or benched, say, because he got sacked twice. Benched um, in this game compared to other things we've seen. Right. Uh, Other than um, uh, because we've seen him play worse in other games. Right. Mm -hmm. But then like NFL plus or premium, whatever, hasn't released the all 22 yet of this game. Usually there's like a 24, 40 hour waiting period. I guess everybody's on fucking vacation because none of the all 22s are available. Um. But you can see, I rewatched the game, at least a good portion of it last night. Heineke does what he's always doing, which is making life harder for himself. To, like, the results are still there. But even if you look at the touchdown to Terry McLaurin, the three-yard touchdown, right? If he reads it right, he's got Jahan way open earlier in that, earlier, uh, as soon as he drops back. He just misses He doesn't see it. Or you see the throw to Jahan that was behind him that if he just puts a little bit of if he just puts a little bit of touch or leads him out, that's a touchdown. Like there are there are tons of things that you're looking at Taylor and you're just like, dude, you managed to pull things out of your ass all the time. And it's great. But you could play so much simpler if you just had certain tools to, to execute and to get guys the ball the way they need to, so that we're not feeling completely on our fucking heels the entire time trying to make something work like there's a flow that needs to happen with it um and that's the thing is heineke heineke didn't look as comfortable as he usually looks in the pocket and here's the thing all right for it the offensive line played like shit um even with just the two sacks it should have been more than that but um bad snaps i fucking Look, Charles Leno is one of the best dudes that I think have ever come through this organization as far as guys go. Mm-hmm. Bosa beat that motherfucker like a drum constantly in that game. Um, if you look at also just pass pro with B, uh, some of the line, some of the running backs, if they're going out for a route, not getting the chip that they need on some of the guys as least as they're leaving, and then the tight ends, I look, all these guys at tight end have played fucking pretty fucking miserable this year yep. compared to what it is we thought they would be yeah so look i'm with ron you guys know i'm with ron on this that i do think carson gives us the best shot to win it does suck as a person that you you like taylor heineke you appreciate everything he's done for us you appreciate the story the narrative all of that to see and you hear the story about like when he gets benched he's take he shows his helmet like i understand the frustration because look certainly i didn't play bad right i didn't play bad enough to get benched right now like, come on, guys. And then, look, coaching stat, we'll get into some of the other stuff because 
they did not set Heineke up in the best position fucking either in this game with some of the play calling and some of the decision making that they were making going for it in your own fucking territory against San Francisco when you're in a one score game. Like we'll I, talk, I, we'll talk about the fourth down decisions and geez. calls. And those are different. Yeah. Yeah. The decision to go. And then what call did what the you play call was. on it? Right. Correct. Go ahead. But I get, but um, Heineke man, like, look, I, the road might be over here in Washington form. Um, Cause I, I do think that, um, He's done enough where I, I'd assume somebody should get to come snipping. I would I would love to see him finish his career as a backup here in Washington. I think he's amazing at that. I think he could come in on stretches if somebody was injured. But I have seen everything I need to see within the constructs of this offense from Heineke to know that he is plateaued. Okay. Um, so my thoughts on it are ultimately irrelevant as well. I can completely understand Heineke's perspective, right? So he has played to me, his best or second best game of the season. Uh, best would be the Philadelphia game, right? Where I think he managed it extremely well. You mentioned the only pushback I'd have is you mentioned, yeah, there was a moment he could have seen Jahan and thrown it. I I think a lot of even starting QBs, do not make perfect reads constantly. I think it goes. I think it goes both ways. It's never, it's you, never. He's never making the right reads. Uh, I would he's disagree. With always that. making never. it harder. So, so hold he's on. But, always but, making it harder. Okay, not a lot of. QB, hold on one second. I'm saying that. Let's be fair here. Carson's going to miss some reads too. It, it happens to everybody. Is my point. Everybody misses them. Not letting the slide. Nope, for, I'm pushing back this time. Dude, I, I have for to push Mahomes, back. I'm pushing back hard on you. Burrow. Ew. Literally the elites don't miss it. That's why they're elite. No, it's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's the same thing. Even when he's completing passes, the Terry McLaurin touchdown in the end zone, right? Mm -hmm. Is not the right fucking read. He's triple covered. He makes the wrong decision and it works out because Mm -hmm. of the talent of the skills position players. That's not what the other guys do. Yes, you can miss a read, but when every, almost every decision you make is the wrong fucking decision but you have skills guys that bail you out that's the trouble that's why it's all 22 so frustrating there is the right decision he doesn't make it he throws a ball that's a much harder ball to throw and terry or jahan have to reach in and pull up whatever in the in the inside randy moss they might have to make Mm -hmm. a miraculous fucking play when the play that puts them in the best position to actually be a playmaker to take care of the ball with the yak to other things is not happening. When you got a guy streaking across the field and they have speed and there's a touchdown there, but you throw it in the double fucking coverage, they have to stop on a dime, jump up over a guy to go catch a fucking football. There's no touchdown happening. That's the issue. He works out because of how talented the skills guys are. He's making the wrong decision almost all the fucking time. I think you He's go farthing it without his arm talent. I think you're going too far in one direction. I understand where you're coming from. Um, but all I'm saying is that he will make more incorrect reads than the average. I'm not saying he doesn't. Okay. Just to be clear. All I'm saying is that I think I want you to moving forward, keep the same energy for Carson as well. hundred percent. That's it. Uh, because the level of nitpicking that occurred, and this, this is not the point of this podcast, just to be clear. It's fine that he got benched. 
it's fine moving forward to Carson. Let's see how he does. We have a contract decision to make on him. And we need to see, to your point, we have Chase Young back, who played great. We're going to talk about that. We have Cam Curl probably coming back this week. It seemed like he was kind of close to playing. St. Juice did play. He was hurt. But we have a healthier defense. We have Brian Robinson, who's running pretty well overall. So to your point, Carson's got a lot now that he didn't necessarily have before. And it looked like he was pretty confident coming in relief. So I have no issue with that. I'm just saying that when we say, oh, on this exact play, he could have done this. It's not There are a number of other QBs that also do the same thing. Just keep the same energy. Stop. No, y'all can't fucking do that. I'm so tired of that shit. I'm so fucking off. No, no, fuck that. I'm off of this. Let's move forward. No, we're not off of that. It's the the bottom line with this this fucking Heineke hive. We're not nitpicking. It's all the time. This is not Tom Brady throwing two picks last night and look fucking shitty. Every quarterback has that. It's right. why the, everything you do is much harder than it needs to be all the time. All the time. This is what this is the issue with Heineke. I still it's not think nitpicking. You're now missing the point. You're going on a tangent where there's no need to. He's gone. Right? No, because you're st- no, because here's the thing. He is gone. No, because y'all still are trying to no. Because uh, fuck that revision. What, what am I trying bullshit. to say? No, what am I my, trying to say? You're trying to say that you what you guys are waiting for is that when uh, not Carson, us guys. What am I trying to say? You want me to keep the same energy for Carson West and I'm keeping for Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I'm telling you the same way I'm telling everybody else. You cannot compare what Taylor Heineke is doing to the other guys in the league that misread sometimes. It's not what's happening. Y'all are setting up this thing so that if Carson throws interceptions or whatever, you guys can say, well, he's just doing the same thing that Taylor Heineke is doing. It's not the case. It's not equivalent. He is not doing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Taylor Heineke. That was on purpose. (laughs) Taylor Heineke. I love him. He's a baller. But the thing that he does, this is why he's called Shane Falco to me. Shane Falco is a movie quarterback. You know what movie quarterbacks in those plays do? They have to make it dramatic for the sense of the audience watching the fucking game. But guess what great quarterbacks do? Make the fucking right throw to make it as simple as possible. as an entertainment. It's not the WWE fucking Ahmed. It's a competition to try to get. So what you want to do is deliver your as a quarterback. You know what you are? A delivery system. You need to make sure you deliver the fucking ball as best as possible to the guys that make the fucking so play. So because, because, okay, okay, okay. My job is host because this could go on forever. And I've found, we have found the button and we have established that with you. It's been the goddamn go button, Amit. Let's go ahead and talk about the guy who will be starting. Let's talk about Carson. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I did a moment there. So, uh, Carson will be starting the next two games. I know Ron hasn't officially said it, but it's going to happen. So, with two games left at home, is the expectation we are definitely winning both? Let's talk about the expectations for Carson. What makes it good? Because I want to talk about two things here. I want to talk about the playoff push, and I also want to talk about next year. What do you need to see from Carson? Um, let's talk about a contract next year to pick up that option, right? Where I believe it's $26 million owed. What do you need to see from him for that? And then we'll get to the more right now playoff push bit. Okay, fair. If you're talking about what we need to see him pick up the option is damn near flawless football. <laughs> and okay. I don't know. I don't know if Carson Wentz is capable of that. 
I have my I have severe doubts that Carson Wentz is capable of flawless fucking football, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm looking at Carson, I'm looking at what it is that you were doing at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. that I need to see the improvement for right now to say that you're trending in the right direction and that the trend will continue to go forward or up, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at even this uh, now, the thing is that when you're looking at the San Francisco defense and when Carson came into the game, they were playing softer than what you would typically see over the flow of an entire game. Right. So if mm-hmm. they're playing softer and what he was doing was taking, he was dinking and dunking, which we talked to. about ad nauseum. Yeah. Right. He did a good job of that. Yeah. He did a great job of that. So I'm like, I'm looking at one thing. I'm like, all right, he didn't force it into double coverage or triple coverage where he didn't need to step in the right direction, Carson. Cool. Sure. But also when you're playing that prevent sort of defense, you're not getting the same pass rush that you would typically get. Right. So while he did see some pressure at certain times, he did time, see some pressure. He yeah. absolutely saw some pressure. He took no sacks. Step mm-hmm. in the right direction. What do you look like next week when it comes to Cleveland? Now, Cleveland to San Francisco, night and day fucking difference as far as uh the just the talent standpoint. But that's not to say that Cleveland is somebody you can just overlook. When it comes to they, you they can't do have, overlook anybody. Houston, look over Tennessee, back. Houston, almost beat Kansas City. Like you Cleveland's got a pass rush. Cleveland's yeah, got a fucking pass rush. So the the thing with Carson is and that we can't how, block <laughs> and we can't block. But the thing is, Carson, what are you doing with the ball? What I saw in the San Francisco game is pockets starting to collapse. My first and second read aren't open. I'm taking the open hit. Boom. Decision made. Done. Deal. Go to the next play. Big step in the right direction. The only other piece that I really want to see is a little bit of that Heineke in Carson. Which, which I think is, you saw with that little flip. Yeah, the, the flip. Right, well, as the, he's yeah, going the, down. Fl- the flip was awesome. But I'm saying the, the main thing that I want to see as far as a little bit of Heineke is. Taking the shot. Take the shot. So, like, yeah. even if it isn't. Once again, I criticize Taylor because he does it too often. But what Carson needs to do is every once in a while throw caution to the wind. And sometimes it's not going to work out for you. All quarterbacks have it happen to them. But every once in a while, when you do have skills position players that can do that, you have to throw it up. You can't be completely risk averse, right? You have Mm -hmm. to take some risk. And the thing that Carson does is that at least with him, typically the ball will maybe sail over everybody. So there's not a chance of an interception all that much. But that's what I want to see is that where are you? with your looking through your progressions and how comfortable are you sitting there in that pocket? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think, um, well, I think from a risk perspective, I think he took a fair number of risks early on. I think that this time around to your point, healthier, there's more chemistry amongst the team, stuff like that. And I think what people also need to note is while he's been out, it's not that he's failed to exist as a human being. Right. He's been breathing. He's been, you know, having his meals. He's been studying, you'd think, right? And been getting better at the position, getting to know the guys, like the things that would need to happen while he's playing. Mm-hmm. Some of those things were still happening while he wasn't playing. So you want to see, did he make those improvements? Right. Does he have the faith of the line, of the wide receivers, of Scott Turner, of Ron Rivera? I think he certainly has it with Ron. Does he have it with everybody else? So that's what I'm more curious to see because, yeah, if he ends up looking really good, then, yeah, you have every reason to pick up that option. Let's talk about these next two games. So you had mentioned, hey, take what the defense gives you, but also throw caution to the wind a little bit. Um, If we, let's say he looks good, but we lose both. What does that look like? I won't pick up the option. Okay. So, So it is also a function of the result. 
to a certain degree. I mean, the, okay. the only the only reason I say that is that it's a significant amount of money. It is. And so, like, you want Although results. Although at the QB position, sorry to interrupt. At no, the yeah. QB position, it's not as much as it is for others. But then you talk about Deron Payne and maybe extending right. him, and it all connects. So there you go. So so that's where it goes to. Would I rather? This is where it goes to. Like, even if. Do I see a scenario at all in which I'm okay with Taylor Heineke starting for the Washington Commanders next season to start the season? Yeah, totally. Me too. From a financial yeah. standpoint, right? Yep. So it's so what it what it's what's to me is that like if Carson doesn't come out here and play on fucking fire, then I'm I'm sorry, I can't afford it because we have other things to address. I gotta pay Deron Payne. I need to retool the entire offensive line. I'm going to do that through the draft and fucking free agency. And it looks like I need a fucking tight end, even though I thought the position was goddamn cool. Um, and Mike Gazeki, maybe I'm making some calls. So like there's a, there's, there, there's a, there's a semblance of after the season and you're looking at stuff. We knew certain positions are good, but we're going to need to retool and $26 million to Carson Wentz for two losses in crunch time. Ultimately, I'm not all right with it. League. You Understood. see what I'm saying? So like yeah. that at the end of the day, it is what it is. Now, if we put up 45 points each day in the defense for some reason, sure, just breaks sure. down. Then, then you can go, what the fuck? Like that's definitely right. his fault in that situation. Right. But if he comes out here, we play on fire these next two games. We make the playoffs and in the playoff game, he's fucking he's right there. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're close to doing it. Then I look at that situation. I'm like, hey, Carson has showed improvement. And I'm willing to pick up the option because it's hard to find a fucking quarterback. It is. It is. And, and so just again, I think he began the season with a lot of confidence. He got four touchdowns against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He did have he did have a couple picks, uh, but then he also had three touchdowns against Detroit after an awful first half. Second half, it felt like garbage time, but all of a sudden it was a game like, you know, and he had those three touchdowns. The defense um, was playing like shit. We had no like running shit. game. Cam Curl begins to right. Cam curl comes back. Things begin to change. So against Philly. Didn't play well, though, against Dallas. Didn't play well. Two of the better teams in the NFC, as mm-hmm. you end up seeing. Um, Tennessee, Brian Robinson returns. We have the end zone pick. Uh, and then against Chicago, before they figure out how to use Justin Fields, we went 12 to 7. Uh, they also had Darnell Mooney drop it uh, at the goal line or one yard line. So Carson breaks his finger, still plays through the game. It still plays through. Uh, but this is where some fans will be coming from. It's like, hey, those last few games we didn't like. But again, with this time off, we'll see how that goes. Um, So, but let's talk about the game itself. San Francisco, one of the better teams in the NFL. They consistently produce pressure. Our offensive line is not good. And I think it was when we let go of Brandon Scherf, we knew we would take a hit. It shouldn't be this bad, though, K-Dot. What what has happened to this offensive line? Now, I know that center, we got Wes Schweitzer, and he's been filling in because Nick Martin's not that good. And Tyler Larson's an IR and Chiefs Ruiz out. Like there is, it's a, it's a no excuses league, but I mean, fourth center, like you can almost understand that, but the rest of them, like what the heck is going on? There's no anchor. So the, the thing with um, offensive lines that usually you'll see offensive line have success that they have at least consistency. Cause it's a, it's a group that has to play as a group. You have individual guys that are always be the best here, best there, right? But like Brennan Sheriff could be on this team playing lights out at one guard position. And if the rest of the fucking, if the tackles aren't doing anything properly, it's all for fucking not, right? And mm-hmm. I actually think on PFF, I haven't checked recently, but the last time I did check, 
Norwell was ranked higher in PFF than fucking Sheriff was this year, which is fucking nuts. It also makes you wonder about PFF, man. Right. It makes you wonder about that, right? So, like, interesting things out there. Yeah. So it's weird. But even like, um, so the thing is that, like, when I talk about anchor, I look across that offensive line and I'd say the best guy on the offensive line, as far as anyone healthy injury, is Chase Rie. If at least you had Chase Rie healthy for the entire season, you'd have somebody that could be there consistently as the as the as the guy that everybody else can follow, right? Mm-hmm. You look through it, there's no real guy that we can say, hang your hat on, you're doing absolutely the best job. You've been there since day one and you're killing it. Probably the leader on that offensive line is Charles Leno. Great guy, amazing dude. Love his wife Jen, love yep. everything they do. They're fucking incredible. Leno should not be a starting left tackle. <laughs> it's just not no. okay. Um, it, it, he not gets, at this point. Not I, I think this... early on he was fine, uh, but like the last couple of weeks in particular has been. No, I, I, I've been over it for a minute. And the reason really? I've been over okay. it, I've been over for a minute because of something that we never talk about because it gets forgotten in the course of the game. How many times over the course of this season has a 15 to 20 yard run that's going to first down? And with a hold by Charles oh fucking God. Leno. That, that is they, true. I, I, I wasn't paying attention the offense. To if it was Leno specifically, but there are lots. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. Leno a lot. And it's usually the it's early in the game. Mm-hmm. We, we, we The offense is starting to click. It's usually the first or second drive. Oh, shit. The run game's getting going, guys. We look good. Oh shit! We have now we're at fucking oh now we're at first and twenty uh first and uh wait twenty first twenty five is okay no right. first and um yeah and uh first and, and in this case against the best defense in the NFL and now you're you can't run it again because you need to make up that ground the passing name doesn't get in the rhythm and it's over it's done now you're playing catch up especially if the other team scores because you're gonna punt right so like mm-hmm. it's a killer. It doesn't get discussed because it gets lost in the sauce of the game. It's it's crucial that ends. That cannot fucking happen. And the the offensive line's gotten beat like a drum, but you, you can't blame them. I don't even blame the offensive line now. I blame the coaching staff that doesn't have the depth required to make the position to make the positions work. Because we don't I still look at why the fuck is Eric Flowers here? Um, they, unless we, Mike we, can give me an said on- that every week, and I agree with you. Unless week. Mike can give me an honest answer on why the fuck Eric Flowers is here, I got an issue with. It. So, it look comment section. Maybe it's something clear that I'm just not seeing. Answer it for me. Why the fuck isn't he here? I mean, I've been looking online. I I don't have an answer other than stubbornness. So a desire to be right, and it's right. It's not working out. Now I don't blame them for losing Sheriff. He wasn't going to resign. They offered him a ton of fucking money. He wasn't going to come. Fuck off. Don't give a shit. Yeah. But there's. Thinking you could just resign a bunch of guys from Carolina, Trey Turner, nor whoever, and it's going to work out. This has the this is your offensive line. That you is a this. deeper issue that I would love to talk about sometime. Is their loyalty to a situation that wasn't that good to begin with? Right. That that is what irritates me about this coaching staff. And I think I try and sort of be nice. I think I'm sort of starting to lose my lid with Scott Turner, for example. Um, I'm beginning to I've been losing it with Ron for some time. The offensive uh, line is the most egregious stuff. part of it, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's terrible. It it's awful. Uh, but let's, you know, let's flip. I know we gave up thirty-seven points. There were two turnovers that put the 49ers in terrific position. Um, what were your thoughts on the defense? It, and let's talk first about Chase Young because that's more of a positive. 
and then let's get to the rest of it. Now we mentioned pro football focus rating Norwell higher than Brandon Scherf. And I have questions about that, but when they give us a good stat, I'll take it. Chase Young was rated the highest by them out of any other player. He played more than double the snaps he was supposed to. And in the fourth quarter, according to Ron, he was telling him that he wanted to stay in the game and wanted to continue. He had a pass batted down. He was in the backfield. He was forcing himself. There was a fourth and one in particular where he literally forced himself. It was either third one or fourth one. Now that I think about it, where he forced himself into the middle to clog it up, to help Allen and Payne clog it up. And we end up getting a stop there. He played great in my opinion what were your thoughts on chase young's return i saw to pull his ass um but he played better than he had any business being able to play absolutely he, he far exceeded any expectation you could have for him coming back after this long of not playing against a team this sick um he the, the the commentators were saying his presence was felt absolutely. immediately yeah like the the bat down balls you, and the thing is that was for, better than any game he played last season the thing is that you start realizing it's like he's been on the sidelines, like watch, motherfuckers learning. Like he, there, there's always been something instinctive about him, and he's not a dumb player by any means, but he looks smarter than he ever has been. And he's already been a very high IQ, high IQ player. Like well, there's certain things that he was doing where you saw, all right, I could stay down here and do this, but you know what? I'm gonna let off, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over here. You know the thing is, so I think a couple things. Um, just just for the sake of drumming up a narrative, yeah. he wins rookie of the year. And I think he rested on his laurels a little bit and went, you know what? The league is, I can do this. No problem. You hear about the commercials. He's doing all that stuff. He misses the OTAs last season. So like there are all these things where he's feeling himself a little bit and you can understand it from a young player. Mm -hmm. He gets hurt. Micah Parsons, meanwhile, in Dallas goes apeshit and continues this season. So all the while Chase is on the sidelines and the rival team. And again, Chase is from the area. The rival team has a guy that everyone's talking about. He wins rookie of the year on defense and he continues to be excellent. So I think there's also some of that as well, where he goes, okay, well, I want, I want the shine back on me. He's got all the talent in the world. And now, like you said, he's learning. He seems more engaged, like, and credit to the organization who a lot of people were like, he should be back by now. He should be back by now. They clearly didn't rush it. And he looked mm -hmm. really good. And I think it's fair to be able to, we criticize the org a lot, give them some credit here because it looks like knock on wood, they've handled this well. Yeah, no, I give him credit, but I actually, I, I think the comparison to me was what I saw after the game. He wants Nick Bosa. Like the, mm. the, the, um, and me, Bosa looks like he's about they were teammates, weren't they? They were at Ohio State. Yeah, so yeah. like the, um, there, there is a limit of that when you see Bosa and how complete he is, um, Last year, what it felt like to me was that Chase Young was getting a little Brian Arakpoe, which was you're starting to become a one-trick pony. And there's mm -hmm. been so many times you could throw your hands up saying they're holding me, ref, before the ref turns to you like they used to do Arakpoe and said, we'll do something else then. Sure, sure. So there's a little bit of that that I thought would chase. To me, what I, what I was so impressed with was a lot of times on that defensive line, especially for us, I've been very critical of how – Outside of the scheme, they'll play. How non-disciplined they'll play. Chase had a disciplined game yesterday. The bat down, he stopped rushing. He stopped. Yeah, he did. He stopped and rushing. He threw his hands up. Yeah, he threw his hand. He knew. Purdy's looking this way. He's gonna make the ah! heads up. Fucking play, man. You saw some of the stuff he was doing with the run. 
giving up on the pass rush, seeing what's happening, and choosing another lane. And he has the athleticism to make that happen. Those are where the special kind of players lie. It's the ones that know they have the physical gifts and the physical talent, but can understand what's happening on the offense and where you fit within the scheme of the defense Mm -hmm. to make other people make plays and to make the best play yourself, to not be out of position, to not over-pursue, to know I can be here and make the play I need to make. And if if he's unlocked that, then, yeah, I think J.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, Micah, Par- Micah Parsons doesn't get that level to me yet, even though I think he's more talented than them. He's I, not I think there. he's at that level already. I, like, you know, uh, Micah Parsons was my number one guy in that draft. He was mine, too. <laughs> he's a guy. He's my fucking guy. But uh, and I think that but what they're what they ask him, to, you know, I'm not going to go deep on the Parsons. Thing. But um, Chase Young has it within him to be considered the best player on defense in the league. And I don't, especially with Aaron Donald kind of, it might be over soon. So, well, I, I think the increased interaction and chemistry again with John Allen's been doing a hell of a lot over the course of his career. And Deron Payne this year in particular has been spectacular. Oh, yeah. So to have Chase there with him, because this defense, while we're going to see how Carson does, it is an unknown. Uh, he could be great but he could also do some of the boneheaded stuff he's done earlier in his career. I anticipate he actually will be good. Uh, But in the event he isn't, we're going to need that defense to continue to step up. I'd also wanted to shout out just the whole defense and Jamin Davis in particular, because he's primarily responsible for these running backs. Christian McCaffrey was largely pedestrian, 15 carries, 46 yards. He got the touchdown at like the very end, uh, just because another turnover, what was it? A one yard punch in Mm -hmm. and um, two catches for 12 yards. So like, I just want to acknowledge that, yeah, the rest of it went to Kittle, and I you have to stop both. That's your job. But that was the most pedestrian McCaffrey's looked in a 49ers uniform. No, I so wanted I to shout that, out the defense for that. I give you that. That's why I'm waiting for the All-22, because what I was feeling in that game was that they were – I felt as though we were so focused on McCaffrey that other things were opening up. Um, which makes sense in the sense of the way they scheme it, but I really wanted to look at the all twenty-two to see sure. if what I thought was happening was happening. I see. I think we would have been able to do a better job on Kittle at the very least if Curl were healthy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but right, and, and so I think we would have been able to do both. I think this was in this situation. We've seen what the defense looks like without Cam Curl, and the the point total we gave up was the highest since Cam Curl last missed a game. Like mm-hmm. he is so important to our defense and we keep mentioning pro football focus. He is the number one ranked safety, or at least was at one point. Uh, it showed yesterday uh, because, or day before, excuse me, Saturday game, uh, because we sorely, sorely missed his presence over there. Yeah. Um, man, like the, the uh, there's, we met a team that's clearly better than us. We talked about that in the pre in the preview from the roster perspective, from how their QB perspective. Team. Yes. Um, if you look at just uh, injuries to us, I know the Brock Purdy thing. I get it, but what we've I've, I've, that's why I tried to break I it down. We did a decent job on him. We like, did. I, yeah, you know, we so, so like even with every and I know I went long form on the Purdy thing as far as how he works with the Shanahan office. That's why I did was to let everybody know. A loss against San Francisco with the way this team is, is not something that you need to be depressed about. We have an offensive line that's playing like shit. Mm -hmm. You have a quarterback situation that's in flux. 
and you have the injuries to probably our keyest defender on the team in Cam Curl, who's like the make or break guy really for the defense. You can't, you're not supposed to win that game. You're not. Um, And also the other thing that you got to give us credit for, we scored more points than that San Francisco defense than anybody since Kansas city in fucking week seven. So. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, again, to Taylor's credit, he played well until those last two drives where he gets blindsided and he loses the football and the, frankly, I know there was pressure, but if you're playing for a starting job and you know how tight your leash is, it's ultimately an inexcusable throw. I say uh, that Taylor, INT, right? Taylor did not play that well, but his results were awesome at the beginning of that game. And uh, <laughs> it's all district divided for a reason, brother. <laughs> and then we found the two excuses to plug his ass, pull his ass out. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the so- Heineke Hive was going to be coming for Ron Rivera's head if there wasn't a legitimate reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and some some don't feel the stump some excuse me still do not feel it was justified for me i understand i understand it because it's not just off of that game it was off of a few others and more specifically the giants game in recent memory which was very frustrating for everybody involved i think the best heineke is always the one with no expectations there were no expectations in this game he was 13 of 17 until 13 of 18 with the pick right so like you look at it from the statistic perspective from the passer rating perspective the qbr perspective this was his best, if not second best game against San Francisco and before that Philly. So I, I understand that side as well. That's right. Um, so now let's go ahead and do you want to jump into the comment mailbag now or did you want to talk about anything else in regard? Oh, the fourth downs. Let's talk about the fourth downs. I knew I was forgetting something. What were your thoughts when it was 0-0? Zero, zero? It was fourth and goal at the one. You know, there were There seemed to be some division. I personally think there was a lot of hindsight coaching. You're on the road. Take the points. I love the decision to go for it on fourth and goal at the one yard line. I understand how good that defense is. And it's for that reason, ironically, that I'm saying punch it in for seven because three is not going to be enough. We know how good they are overall. Now I have a problem with the call uh, because I don't think it should have been Gibson in the backfield. I think it should have been Robinson in the backfield. That's where my issue was. You have a guy that you know is good in short yardage, that each time you need a yard, finds a way to give you a yard. And if he gets hit at first, he continues to power through. I don't know why he's not in the backfield, but I love the decision. What were your thoughts on that? I agree 100% without a shout out. I know that some people are like, well, you threw it to get down here, so throw it in the end zone. No. No. Um, Robinson... Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. And I let Heineke waving the team. No, we're doing this. Go back. Was, uh, was kind of dope to say. Like, it's, I, I understand. Yeah. In that position right there, I was, I think we said it the other, we said it, um, one of the other goal line stops, which was that if I need to run it four times with Brian Robinson and I don't get a yard, they outplayed us. You but I play take, to but, the other team. Exactly. Right. But you do it. And it's, you remember when you had that debate about the goal line thing and then they showed that stat in the fucking game or our efficiency in the fucking red zone as far as touchdowns? I do remember that. Yeah, it was like 29. It was 30. It was like 29, 30 something, right? I think we were 30th. Yeah. God damn it. Fucking frustrating. But yeah, no, I agreed with it completely. If you get that score, 
against them in that sort of position, you're doing you're doing it up, and you know you have a defense that plays pretty good. You turn it over, and you got to make them drive down the field that way. Nobody can see that coming. Um, I, I agree with it completely. But the other one, the other one's an interesting call or interesting decision. Again, we're making the distinction between decision: are you going for it or are you not? And call: what is the play? Um, so the decision to go for it on fourth and one at your own thirty-five. What did you think of that? Let's start. Dumb with as fuck. I wasn't in the dumb as fuck category. I didn't like it. <laughs> I will say that I would have, I would have punted given the way our defense was playing. Shout out Brandon Nichols actually in our chat who had mentioned it. I would have punted that because I thought the defense was doing just fine. Um, the risk reward in that situation is very different from seven points versus three or and versus the field zero. position. Right. Exactly. You're not at the opposing 35 where it's a 52 yarder versus right? It is a, we are giving this up at our 35 or first and 10 at the 36 in a one score game in a one score game in the second quarter. It, like, it just, it didn't make sense to me. It all. did. And the thing is that you saw Ron having to yell at the punt team to go back. I don't understand what happened. It felt so counter to anything that Ron was doing. What happened? Sometimes we don't need to overthink it. That was bad coaching because you saw Ron waving back. It's it's that simple. That was was not a good idea. I've never, he has the nickname Riverboat Ron, right? But if you, especially if you look at the last few weeks, we've been critical over him not going in for fourth, not going on a fourth down, but a different territory. Yes. Um, I just don't see how you could contemplate that it's the same scenario that he was getting criticized for. I don't understand. It felt so counter to everything that he's done that I it just, it came out of left field to me. It, I, I'd like to know what happened. So it doesn't happen again. Um, Cause it, it just, it felt so not on point. I think on he brand. went into this game knowing I need to be aggressive and to beat this team, we are going to need to do some unorthodox things, make some unorthodox decisions to be able to. That was as unorthodox as it gets. I think even when you're playing a team that good, you don't need to go for it there. It just, I disagreed with that decision. I wasn't, I wasn't the dumbest fuck thing, but I was very much the, we should not do this. I, I was angry. I'm against I was yelling. This. I was yelling at the TV. I was probably like 70, 30 punt. So, mm. you know, mm. I was like, I wasn't so like 90, 10 or 95, five. I'm just being honest. Cause in that no, moment, I, get it. I was like, ah. but I was still like, don't. Uh, and ultimately, Hey, if we had made it, we're like, Hey, good call. But uh, we didn't because awesome. it ended up being a sneak. Um, yeah. If you're going to sneak, maybe sneak with the other guy, right? Like wait for the six, five, North Dakota State dude to do it. Uh, but anyway, that was also when you trust yeah. and Brennan Nichols, who you gave the shout out to, actually said yeah. trust way as a weapon, especially yes. in that field position. But you saw the 35, that's perfect for him he can to it. do his thing and make make Purdy make a mistake. He yeah. was making mistakes, he was looking a little rattled. I anyway, um, let's just jump over to this comment mailbag. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start with the most recent one. And then we're going to go back. So there was one comment that as we finished recording the previous episode, we ended up receiving a comment. So we're going to read that second because there's a pretty deep question in there that we're going to answer. 
um, and it'll lead to after the pod. So first off, uh, on this last video from Drunken Donuts, shout out Drunken Donuts, appreciate it. Uh, great show, really enjoyed it. Keep up the good work, much better than some of the other crap out there. Well, appreciate Thank the you. comment, Drunken Donuts. I really do. It's a great um, name. And yeah, I know it is, right? When I read it, I was like, oh, I do like that. Um, and hopefully, hopefully you continue to watch Drunken Donuts. Appreciate it. Um, and then we've got from the previous episode. So this, it's important to mention that because the context is the Giants loss. Okay. Um, Ridge, wear your helmet on. Appreciate it as always, Ridge. Um, appreciate the analysis, but we got absolutely robbed. No pass interference. Fine. Ref who flagged Terry should be publicly executed while Carson Wentz bangs his wife. His words. That being said, let me get the district divided all 22 from the Dan Snyder era, plus special teams and coaches. Does that team win a Super Bowl this year? That's one question. Or more importantly, what is the score if they play the Niners this weekend? Okay. Uh, And so because that has a bit more detail to it, we are going to say thank you for watching this episode of District Divided. We're going to get on the after the pod and I, talk about this in detail. Can I say something I about the first the part of his question? Yes, absolutely. The first part, before we get into the all 22, which we're going to do. Um, I'm on the same text thread as uh, Widge Wear Your Helmet At during Mitch, games. With an R. Whatever, fuck him. Um, with, uh, well, even though, great question, but the... Uh, <laughs> You're talking about the public execution bit? What are you talking about? You can't be the guy complaining about the refs every fucking play. And your guys are turning into that in the text thread during the goddamn games. Stop. Just stop. There's not a conspiracy. There's not anything fucking happening. That, that, that ref in the San Francisco in the uh, Giants game was fucking dog shit. But hearing you and somebody else constantly, every time there's a fucking flag, oh, the refs are doing, shut the fuck up. We're not them. Do we- not be those guys. Okay, first off, I'm not one of those guys. I no, know you're, you're not. not ta- you're I know right. you're not yeah, talking right. about me. But that being said, I understand it. I'm trying to no! understanding that you would be. No, we just want to win, K. Dot. No, we we're not. We did sound like some convection ass Bears fans and some sweaters from like the '80s. They're always again. Fuck, or you sound like a Raider fan, and you don't want to sound like a Raider fan. I want to answer this question. This is District Divided, a DC Sports Podcast, more specifically, a Commander's Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am Amit. That is KDOT. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like it, please share, please subscribe, and please comment because we did make a huge quarterback change. Do you agree with it? Disagree with it? How do you feel about Taylor? How do you feel about Carson? Would you re-sign Carson? What would it take for you to re-sign Carson? Please chime in. We read it. We talk about it. And we appreciate it. After the pod begins right now. Now, go ahead, K. Dot. Do you want to go? I go QB, you go QB, or do you want to list your twenty-two? I then list my twenty-two. How do you want to get in discussion? Let's yeah. do the let's do the full list and then get into it. All right, go ahead. Yeah, all right. So I'll start with my coaches, and then we'll go through. Now, what I did was I picked. So this is so the list is anybody from the dance side of the era who anybody. played for us. I'm going to do the player. I'm going to do the year that I'm talking about that I'm plucking them out of in this whatever scenario or anything. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Go ahead. All right. So head coach of this team is Joe Gibbs from 2005. Okay. Um, our offensive coordinator is Kyle Shanahan from 2012. Mm-hmm. Our defensive coordinator is Greg Williams from 2007. Okay. Special teams coordinator is Danny Smith from 2010. Okay. Quarterback RG3 from 2012. 
Running back, Clinton Porter from 2005. Okay. Uh, I have three wide receivers, no fullback. Okay. Wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin from 2022. Okay. Wide receiver two is Santana Moss from 2005. Yep. Wide receiver three is Pierre Garçon from 2013. Okay. Tight end, Chris Cooley from 2007. Yep. Left tackle. This is I kind of switched some positions around a little bit here, but we'll explain it when we get into the further breakdown. Left tackle, Chris Samuels from 2005. Yep. Left guard, John Jansen from 2005. All right. Center, Casey Ryback from 2005. Right guard, Brandon Sheriff from 2016. Hmm. And right tackle, Trent Williams from 2013. Flip it on the defense in the Greg Williams 4 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, DN1, Ryan Kerrigan, 2017. Okay. D tackle, John Allen, 2021. He tackled two, Deron Payne from 2022. Yep. Other DN, Chase Young from 2020. Mm-hmm. Outside linebacker, LeVar Arrington, 2001. All right. Middle linebacker, London Fletcher, 2012. Mm-hmm. Other outside linebacker, Marcus Washington, circa 2004. Uh-huh. Cornerback, Champ Bailey, 2002. Uh, of course. Other cornerback, D'Angelo Hall, 2010. All right. Free safety, Sean Taylor from 2007. Rest in peace, legend. Strong safety, Ryan Clark from 2005. Oh, he had a great year in 05. Kicker, Graham Gano, 2011. Yep. Uh-huh. Punter, Tress Way from 2022. Yep. And our return specialist, both punt and kicks, Brandon Banks from 2010. All right, cool. Um, I like your team. Uh, I had... Only a few differences, KDOT. So I'm looking at it. I chose to put in a fullback on offense instead of a third wide receiver. Had I done a third wide receiver, and I talked to Ridge about this a little bit, um, it would have been Pierre. So I would have agreed there. Um, I did put in a fullback. I had Mike Sellers uh, in there. And at left guard, I had Derek Dockery. Right tackle, I had John Jansen. So I did not have Trent and Chris, because I tried to, I chose to keep it as what position did you play for us? Stay there. Gotcha. Um, if I had moved them around a little bit, you bet your ass, both Chris Samuels and Trent Williams are on the team because they have been our two most talented linemen in the right. Dan Snyder era. Yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Uh, so I'll just quickly run through and then on defense. I, well, okay. You know what? Let me just run through mine and then we'll, uh, we'll talk. Okay. Um, Offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, special teams coach, Danny Smith. So we agreed on those three. My head coach is not Joe Gibbs. My head coach is, to me, one of the bigger what ifs had he stuck around. I chose Marty Schottenheimer because I think we had finished that season six and two. He had a dog shit roster and it looked like he was turning that thing around. He and Dan Snyder butt heads. He's gone after an eight and eight season. But that trajectory, I was impressed by. And I was fucking 10. And the more I think about it, I'm like, this dude would have been great for us. So I think Marty with Kyle, Greg, and Danny, great coaching staff. Now, the special teams, I've got the same. Graham Gano, Tressway, and Brandon Banks. I'm glad you also thought of Brandon Banks because that dude in the preseason was great. And then he had a couple in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I thought he was awesome. Always excited when he was on the field. I've also got RG3, circa 2012. 
Clinton Portis, Santana Moss, Terry McLaurin, Chris Cooley, Chris Samuels, Derek Dockery, Casey Ryback, Brandon Scherf, John Jansen, Mike Sellers. That's my offense. Okay. So two wide receivers, a fullback, tight end, et cetera. Defensive ends. I'm running a 4-3 with Greg, even though he typically runs a 3-4. I don't give a shit. Um, we got Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. I put in Brian Arakpo. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but you know what? Fuck it. He's in there. I got Marcus Washington, London Fletcher, Ryan Kerrigan. We're rushing five every play, by the way. Um, Champ Bailey. And I got Sean Springs as my other corner. Free safety, Sean Taylor. Again, rest in peace, legend. Strong safety, I've got Cam Curl. I completely understand the Ryan Clark call. Uh, I just think Cam Curl has been nothing short of spectacular. And when he misses a game, it's evident. Uh, I love what he does. I love the versatility he brings. I think my safeties are the most versatile potentially in NFL history, KDOT. So now the question is... um, does that team win a Super Bowl this year? Or more importantly, what is the score if they play the Niners this weekend? Let's talk about playing the Niners first. Okay. I think um, 73 nothing. We smoked the shit out of this Niners team. Dude, are you kidding me? This defense against Brock Purdy with the level of aggression Greg's bringing, we're bringing the house on the road. Don't care. And who's stopping 2012 RG3? And he's got Terry to throw to? He's yeah. got Terry to throw to. I'm going to say that the way that it shakes out for my and team, Kyle's coaching himself. Some wild stuff going on. Go ahead. My team. I think what it ends up being is probably around like a, I'll probably say it'll be like 27, uh, 20, 27, 10, somewhere around there, that realm. Um, as far as the way that we, the way that we play on offense and everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been really trying to think about this in a really I logical, realistic, probably 49 realistic to three. way. 49 to 3. 49, 49 to three. 3. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Because um, here's the thing. I know that there are going to be certain aspects of my team that are going to struggle a bit. And there are certain aspects of the team that I know are going to get right and going to be able to gel immediately. Because mm-hmm. if I'm putting all these pieces together and it's like, all right, we're starting year one, let's go. Um, yeah, there's going to be some stuff. There's going to be a little – there's going to be some growing pains with this team. Because look, if I'm looking at RG three is 2012 RG three, he's mm-hmm. a rookie. Mm-hmm. The way that um and keep in mind it's week fifteen. Was it so sixteen? Like, so what? Week sixteen. So we put this team together on one week notice. No, no, no. We've had him the whole year. So they're gelling. They're, they're oh gelling. yeah, by then Marty's on fire right now because he's in his six and two. Oh, stretch. we're in cruise control. We've already That's locked up. Yeah, we've already. But it, we're the one seed right now. We're the one seat, so yeah, I'd probably say it'd be 20, 27, 10. We jump out to a lead. Did that change nothing for you? No, it changed nothing because <laughs> we ju- we jumped out to a lead, and then we started uh, their backups in, and we, they they decide they're going to mount some sort of comeback or something. And we're just like, oh, that's cute, but we know we're never really in danger of losing again. Um, but early on in the season, I say this team would have its growing pains. Now, your team, I'm really surprised by your coaching staff. But we, we get into this when we talk about the eyes. So when you say you're really surprised by my coaching staff, you literally just mean the one difference, right? Yeah. What, what's wrong with Marty? Marty is too strong and opinionated guy for that fucking room. Have you seen my team? They need it. Okay. This is how you get the best I think there's out of a, these guys. There's a fight. There's a full-blown fight. In the and that happens in the first half of the season. We've talked about it. That's why we're too. Oh, my God. No, that's. 
There's a reason you have stronger. to have the answer. If you're going to have Kyle and Greg, yeah. the only answer is Joe. It has to be Joe. Joe is the only guy that works better with crazy people. If you think about like him dealing with John Riggins. Marty's insane. But that's more, you can't have the most. You works, can't have him be which insane. Is why this works. I need a madman in charge. Plus, Marty has group. his own ideas on offense. Think about what Marty and Kyle could come up with. And again, the first half of the season They're not going to work together. They are not going to work together. You don't know that, my friend. There's no chance. You don't know that, my What year Kyle Shanahan do you have? 2012, obviously. There is no chance in how Kyle and Marty are working. I think at that point, Marty's like, fuck it. Go ahead. He's he's got his San Diego vibes. Marty has never had a fuck it bone in his body. It's not a possibility. I I I really think think it. I love the coordinators, but like I look at Joe Gibbs and no Kyle shit, Shan- you picked him. But uh, yeah, all right, I made the right choice. <laughs> so I picked Joe Gibbs with Kyle because of what it is I was saying last week when it came to Kyle Shanahan is that he has changed his philosophy on offense to more of the Air Coriel style of offense, which is a disciple of Joe. If Gibbs. I hear Air Coriel one more fucking time, you should learn about it more. Oh. So the um, <laughs> but Kyle, what Kyle is able to do is if you think about 2012 Kyle Shanahan, uh-huh. he still has the zone blocking, the zone run blocking scheme. Guess who? And you know who thrived in the zone blocking scheme? Clinton Portis in Denver when he had those numbers with fucking Mike. So, so we got to talk about roles and responsibilities here. Yes. Uh, because I, to me, Marty is more of the disciplinarian, making sure people are in line, making sure people are listening to the coordinators, and then occasionally injecting his own ideas as well. Mm. I now need to read you this fucking roster, okay? Because this team, I cannot get over how not... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, but you did it by year. Um, Gerald Green was 41 years old. Yep. But he was technically in the Snyder era. I'm taking Daryl Green over Sean Springs. Just throw that in there. Yeah, I okay. can't take him. Now, now my team's unstoppable. Old. Yeah, and he still ran that fucking four or five. You remember that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm taking him. Um, so I'm he looking at this team, dude. Third best corner on that team. This is an awful team. This is an absolutely awful team. Tony Banks is a starter, a QB. We finished eight and eight. Okay. No, I know, but that was no. because of Steve Tony- Davis. Banks. Yeah, we had Stephen Davis as well. It was close for me, actually, between Portis and uh, Stephen Davis. I think Stephen really Davis like Stephen is a Davis. better choice if you're going to have uh, Schottenheimer. But that's the thing is, like, I don't know what you guys are running on. Offense. I need CP there. I need CP in there. It's I don't know Kyle. what you're running. I, I, on I'm offense. not the coordinator. It's up to Kyle and Marty. We'll figure it out. Kyle and Marty, they're not interchangeable. <laughs> I'm helping on the defensive side of things. Oh, my Greg God. and I are <laughs> dialing up the heat. OK, champs got the clamps. No, it's Sean Joe, Taylor roaming it's around. We Joe, got curl roaming around. It's Joe it letting. It's Joe letting Kyle hey, know. Comment section. Who has the better team? It's me, obviously. But it's, it's all right. So beyond even the coaching thing, but the thing with uh-huh. the coach. So the one last thing I'll say about the coaching is I that Joe. Team. Joe is the facilitator, and he's the one that keeps everybody at the even keel. He allows Kyle to cook on offense, and he allows Greg, as he did, cook on defense. Mm-hmm. Joe is the calming presence that it, that is there that exists to keep everybody on a level at which the front officer, at least the coaching staff, have the guy that they can go to if mm-hmm. they have the issues, they have the problems. 
on offense, if I'm looking at the philosophy of the way this team is working, and even the way that I look at the offensive line, the reason I put Trent Williams at right tackle is because I think Trent is so versatile in what he's able to do. You're going to look at a Kyle Shanahan team that still has the zone blocking scheme that Mike used to have in Denver um, before before he got here to Washington. Um, Clinton Portis thrived in the best two years of his entire career in Mm -hmm. Denver to start out under the zone blocking with the best offensive line he's ever seen with these five guys there. But what makes it even more special to me is that Kyle Shanahan can take things that he didn't understand or learn until now get sped up for him with Joe Gibbs being there at head coach, which made the San Francisco offense so scary this year Mm -hmm. is him going back into more. I know you didn't like me saying it, but the air choreo fucking offense is what he's running now, which is not something that Mike did. And it's not something he did prior. Cool, better to teach him about the air Coriel offense. than a true disciple of Don Coriel himself, Joe Gibbs helping answer any questions he has as far as what you need to do for the vertical game with RG three there in 2012 with Santana, Terry and Pierre Garcon there with mm-hmm. a Chris Cooley that can go on the backfield to play the fullback position on options or all kinds of things. They are going to run rampant over. There's a run first team that is going to yeah, but kill your team you only won 27 to 10. Mine won 49 to three. Yeah. Cause you're in your make believe land. And then uh, <laughs> on defense, Greg Williams with his four mm-hmm. three defense. The thing that's going to make this defense really, really special in the, uh, on the back of this. Okay, go ahead. What makes this defense really, really special is up front with John Allen, Deron Payne being able to do things they do and just eat up space. Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young are going to be able to eat. But the thing that makes it even more special than all that is that on this team you've accounted for two freelancers. Well, three really. Uh, three guys that can actually, because of how well everybody else is playing within the scheme, they can actually go out and do playmaking things. I chose 2001 LeVar Arrington for a reason. He was Le- a monster. LeVar being able to come down because he sees something instinctively. And they've got all the guard. They got the guards in the center all eaten up with Deron Payne. And John Allen, you've got Kerrigan and Chase Young there. The lanes that LeVar Arrington has when he has now a full green light, if you see an opportunity to go take out the quarterback, go do it. And he can because you know who's next to him? London Fletcher, who's never going to ever be out of position. He knows exactly where to fucking be. We agree. In In 2012, London Fletcher, something special. Marcus Washington, 2004. Great in fucking Monster. coverage. And he had those braces too. You remember that? I have the Iconic worst photo braces. ever taken of me is me and Marcus Washington. Um, it's the worst photo I've ever taken because I he was my you favorite. You gotta player. find it now. I'm not showing anyone. So it's <laughs> and then on defense and, and then in the secondary, Champ Bailey, D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo Hall 2010, he had that game where he had the four interceptions in one game. Um yeah, he's Jay Cutler's out. favorite receiver that day. Yep. And Champ Bailey, everybody knows who he was come 2002. At that point, he had learned from Daryl. He had learned from Dion, And he started putting it together in his own way. He was a shutdown corner. If you have a shutdown corner and Champ Bailey on one side and D'Angelo Hall that loves baiting people into making the throw that they shouldn't make, he's going to eat. I went to the interception uh, I went to the uh, I can't remember what it was called, but there was some sort of auto show going on where Daryl Green was supposed to be there signing autographs and stuff like that must have been like. 
11 or something at the time. I went with Paul Valmoreski, the guy who does the intro song. Uh, shout out Polly Polo and Ponderosa Fun Club. Um, but instead, Champ Bailey showed up. And I remember that there were some uh, rumors about Champ Bailey leaving. And so I asked, are you going to stay in D.C.? Because I don't know about all the contracts and stuff like that. And he said, we'll see, which was, as you'll learn, we'll see means fuck no, <laughs> just in the sports world. Um, and I think within days, he was gone. And we ended up getting Clinton Portis, uh, which I remember at the time, I did not like the trade. And it wasn't because I met Champ. I was just like, I don't know. I feel like we're giving up a whole lot. And you look at the premium on the position now. If we could go back, if we were to make that trade now, it would be an insane trade. It never happened now. It would absolutely never happen now because it was, we gave up what, champ and a second? Yes. Holy shit. For- it could never happen now, but the early yeah. 2000s, the there was time, a premium on running back. Of course, back. of course. Yeah. The- and I mean, Portis had back-to-back 1,500-yard seasons to Denver. You get it. So the, the thing was, when it initially happened, I was extremely excited because Joe was back. And his very first we run needed, for the franchise was that 64 yards four against yard uh, yeah. Tampa. Yep, the, right. um, when when Joe got here, we all knew Ooh. he needed his running back. So initially when I heard, because Clinton Portis was coming off of those seasons in Denver where it was like, holy shit, he might be the best guy in the league. Um, but then as soon as you think about it, you saw the size of Clinton Portis, you were just like, that doesn't work for what Joe Gibbs says. And it, it was like immediately, huh? That doesn't usually the guy that Joe Gibbs would want, but it's also last time Joe Gibbs coach was 91. It's a different league. Maybe he's doing something else. And at that point, you just realized there were certain concepts that Joe still had that worked mm-hmm. in the NFL. But as far as the way that the offense itself would run and the counter trades and everything, defenses were too fast for what it is that he wanted to do. Um, just wasn't going to work out. But uh, Sean Taylor, Ryan Clark on my team, on the back end of the secondary, um, Ryan Clark was sneakily really, really, really good. And we actually, when we let, when we went and made the Laron Landry mistake, mm-hmm. um, was when Ryan Clark was actually getting into the best he was ever playing, which is the early in Pittsburgh. Years. I was going to say, we end up seeing it in Pittsburgh immediately. But the thing is that him and Sean Taylor actually developed a really, really good chemistry on the back end. Um, and in 2007, Sean Taylor is when he played at his absolute smartest is when he realized that he could still freelance, but he was starting to put it together as far as what it meant to really be the free safety and the ball Hawk back there and his closing speed and his instincts Ed Reed, like instinctively, it was, Oh, absolutely. So that Built like that a t- linebacker. And for anyone that says that Sean Taylor couldn't make it in today's NFL, you're a fucking moron. I'm just going to say that right now. I agree because. He is, I know that he hit hard because he was allowed to, but you bet your ass he could adjust to today's NFL with the ball hawking abilities that KDOT's mentioning here. I just want to make that clear. The, the, my def- The second half of my defense, Champ shuts down an entire half of the fucking That's field. what I mean, which is but why the- we're rushing five every play, KDOT. We're feasting on Mr. Irrelevant I'm not, I don't game. need, here's the thing. I don't need to blitz. <laughs> I I'm really don't blitzing. need. We just standard rush five. It's not a blitz. It's what we so do. So you run on a five, two. So the, uh, you know how many other teams are going to run a five, two after they see us do it? LeVar. Life LeVar, is nothing but setting trends, my friend. I'm just giving Le- LeVar is my, LeVar is, LeVar has the green light to do whatever he needs to do whatever he wants to do it. So if LeVar sees something, he needs to sit back in his own. If he wants to blitz, LeVar is my guy who's do whatever you want. But um, Sean's not. Sean doesn't get to freelance as much as he used to. 
um, because of what's happening in that secondary. D'Angelo Hall loved baiting quarterbacks, and he's going to be able to eat a lot because Champ has made the one side of the field nothing that anybody's ever going to throw to. So D'Angelo, I think, is going to – D'Angelo's the is, one who hits the stats on this. On okay, defense. fair enough. I think there's just no need to bait a QB at all. We're just – we're strapping up, baby. I mean, again, we're rushing these five. I'm not sure how many passes Purdy's getting off that aren't already picked. You don't need to bait anything. He's just throwing it up like, please, no one's open. Yeah, it's as simple nah, as it, that, K-Dot. I, w- I, want a de- I want a defense and I want a scheme and I want an offense that's going to work beyond just San Francisco that – Oh, you I don't think this at, is you don't think this is working against other teams? No, I think your team. I I think your team is close. I just think there's a couple there's a couple guys that are just like on that defense that I look at and I'm like, I don't think they're going to play as a unit. Um, this team that I'm looking at right now, I could cry because it is it's nostalgic and it's great. Perfect is the word, and the only word it can be, because again. This five-man rush, I mean, we're getting one-on-one every play. These guys are going to have to max protect like a motherfucker, and even then, we're probably getting through. And then that secondary? (laughs) Buddy, three points is nice, the more I think about it. We may even block it. I mean, Danny Smith, our special teams coach? I don't know, man. Three, ten points? They're putting up ten points on your defense? I don't see it. But Brock Purdy? I'm trying to give your team credit here. No, no, I get it. I'm just trying to be realistic. <laughs> I don't understand that. This is a hypothetical question. Where does the realism come in? The realism Even though comes I am in- being realistic. I'm being as realistic as can be. All right. Full disclosure. How long Go did ahead. it take you to make your list? Eight minutes because it was obvious. I've been studying this thing for an hour and a half, two hours last night. I think as you I'm may have overthought it. it. I think, you I, of course, I overthink. It. I overthink everything. But the um, <laughs> But the idea was that I really wanted to look through what would happen over the course of this team in the course of a season mm-hmm. early on, like I said, I think this defense is going to struggle early on. Um, I think early on, it's going to be Greg Williams trying to get everybody to play within scheme. Mm-hmm. I think Lavar's not going to want to, I think Sean's not going to want to, I think uh, John Allen, Deron Payne are not going to want to. I think that you're going to see us get gashed running wise, especially early on the season. Yeah. Early. Yeah. And then eventually if they buy in, which is why I have Joe Gibbs, to get the buy-in is See, to get them to kind of calm down. And I, and I think you and I are on the same page here in that we're built for December, January, February. That's what we're here to do. Sort of. Right. I, I am curious about the way the offense work or how RG3 handles that the full way through. Which is why I'm so intrigued. You chose Kyle Shanahan, didn't give him a fullback. I understand Cooley's a better Cooley. be the H-back a little bit. But I mean, Mike Sellers is a staple, my friend. He my- is... You love Mike Sellers. I'm surprised he's not there. I love Mike Sellers, but I actually think Daryl Williams fits better than Mike Williams than uh, than Mike Sellers does with wow. Shanahan. Wow. Okay. Because okay. I, if I'm looking at the way that Shanahan is going to utilize it, but I also look and I say that like the three wide receivers is what I'm looking at when it comes to. I don't want Kyle Shanahan from. I want Kyle Shanahan to have the run scheme that he has in 2012, mm-hmm. but I need his passing game to not be what it is in 2012, which is why the Joe Gibbs combination with Mike, with Kyle Shanahan is the one that I think works for this. Okay. Is that they have to change up the way that they were throwing in that scheme. This is going to be a vertical offense with a zone block with a zone run blocking. All right. 
All right, I see you, K dot. Uh, my team will be able to do that and then some, obviously. Uh, but yeah, no, we we both have really good teams. I, I completely, I completely agree. Um, Portis is pass blocking, man. That's that shit. You you know what's beginning to get wild is Green Bay's little run here, where them beating Miami, Tua lost his mind. I don't know what happened in that fourth quarter. Three interceptions. And he was floating these things. Like, I don't know what happened. He looked good for three quarters. And I can tell you exactly what that happened. That was one of the worst. Like, they may genuinely miss the playoffs now. I think they'll still make it. But holy cow, they got a problem. Go ahead. What happened there? I go back to when I said I was watching the All-22. The, the key game this year for Miami mm-hmm. is the Chargers game. Uh, where everything changed. Sure, sure. Now, what Green Bay did to them, or no, um, with look, what Tua was doing in that game <laughs> was he knew that he had his route again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He had his slant. He had his, I'm going to try to pull up the stat. He had his, uh, I could do that for you. You want his just game stats or what? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to pull up the stats of everybody that was on the offense. Oh yeah, I can do that. Right, for you. I got it. What? Uh, who do you want to know about? Uh, first Tua. Uh, Tua, sixteen to twenty-five, three hundred ten yards, touchdown, three picks, took two sacks. Uh, QBR twenty-three point one, passer rating eighty point eight. Yeah, but and then mainly I just got to pull up. Mainly the other thing I wanted was box score, because early yeah. on in the game when it came to Waddle and it came to Tariq Hill, well, mainly Waddle. Waddle still was able to run those crossing routes and they were able to hit in the zone until really likes really likes to. And they were kind of giving it to him to a certain degree in that first half. You heard the commentators actually talk about how teams in the prior weeks weren't giving this to Tua since the Chargers game. Mm -hmm. And that Green Bay for some reason was giving it to him. Now I don't know. I'm not gonna give Green Bay as much credit as to say that they were baiting Tua. Into second half collapse. Yeah, that's way too much credit. Yeah. But what I will say is that they made the adjustment on what it is they should have been doing the entire game, which is if you remove a, it's not even that much of the field from Tua, he doesn't know what to do anymore. He just doesn't know what to do. On the topic of Green Bay, because I do have to run now, but gut reaction, seventh seed. Okay, we got the Seahawks at seven and eight. We got the Lions. At seven and eight, we got the Packers at seven and eight. We got us at seven, seven, and one. Which one of those four teams is in the final playoff spot? Us. Us. We take care of business. We win the next two. Carson, I trust. Carson, you trust. I hope you're right. Uh, just on that note, I do hope you're right because all any of us want is just for this team to be good and to win. I don't care who it is. Hopefully he's Y'all figured it out mentally. prefer it to be Tineke. Uh, I will actually say no. I think that there is a more, there's more entertainment. We've talked about that for sure, but it doesn't mean it's better. So just to be clear, I don't care. Hey, if Carson's lighting it up, I'm all for it. I'm all fucking for it. He throws 300 yards, three touchdowns, and he's capable. He's more than capable. I, I would love it. Are you kidding me? Of what the fan base is, which is too goddamn high or low, and all you guys need to be more medium. Yeah, medium. 
You guys aren't medium. I'm medium. You're not medium. I'm absolutely medium. You're not medium. And what you did was you, you know what you did? You did something the white people did. What I You've did. gaslit me in the thing, in being the crazy, screaming, angry black guy because you know how to bait me because you're I, not medium. Yeah, okay, that's true. No, no, not, not the medium bit. I know, <laughs> no, I know how to bait you. You're not fucking medium. I certainly know. No, because you believe you. what you believe what you're saying. You're saying it with conviction and you know how to needle and <laughs> poke and just prod and fuck me up. I and have then, always said, I have always said, and you know this, sir. I have always said that the problem with Carson has been mental. If he can clear that up, he's good. Can you agree there? I've always said that. Yes. If he has cleared it up mentally, and that's why I mentioned the bit about he has existed as a human being for six weeks here. I'm not sorry about Carson. That's my criticism not about Carson. Oh, you're going even deeper. Just no, my it. criticism is your guys' filleting of Taylor. You keep saying us guys. You're part of the collective. The more when you poke I... and prod me, is the more you're the leader of the fucking collective. When did I become the leader of the collective? When you got me fucking almost having a heart attack on the fucking no. pod. Okay. Okay. You... I... <laughs> okay, but that yes, was... You, you made that too that. easy. You made that too easy. Because it's annoying. All you guys are annoying. And once again, I'm saying you guys. You're the once again the leader. It's fucking annoying. Here's the thing: is that I started noticing on Twitter. It probably broke this week. There, oh, there are Commanders fans. No, no. <laughs> the, ahead, have you seen ahead, the Commanders ahead. fans? They're just like, "Fuck off!" You <laughs> like they're just getting angry about it because it's just like we're not crit. Like the only I... crit. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Um, we're not even being. We're not being crazy. We're just like. Can none of us look at reality anymore? It's like looking at Trumpsters, Trumpers. Do you, do you want like, to know what? Can okay, we so just I, look? Can we say I that we're really seeing think, the same thing? What I really think is that not enough people acknowledge the potential reality that neither one of these guys is the guy. And therefore, it becomes Heineke versus Wentz. When really, if neither one. But that's not the what guy, the Wentz side is saying. That's not what anyone on the Wentz side is saying. Wentz side is saying he could be. They're not saying he is. Wentz side is just saying, can we see? We haven't seen enough. That's it. Yeah. That's all we're saying. Therefore, it could be. Right. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going. One we, look, we're not we're not we're not ecstatic about it. We're not. None of us are like he can absolutely you sound do it. Pretty ecstatic about it. I'm ecstatic about I want to see. You know what I'm ecstatic about? What you I think about? Jahan and Terry are better now than they were week four. Of course. Jahan, and if that's the we case, mentioned it last week. They're going to try and erase Terry. Jahan's going to have to be the guy. And he played really well in that first half. Jahan should have had. Oh, if he had to drop that if thing. He, oh, Jahan, he turn and burn. Jahan has two additional touchdowns in that game if the ball is put on him correctly. I think the first one was behind him for sure. But it, it did hit him in the hands. That he should have caught. Once again, if the ball is placed <laughs> correctly <laughs> i think it was in the second best spot fuck off <laughs> it was it if the ball is placed <laughs> correctly was... he's good to go and that's the pr- i just want to see some because you can don't tell me it wasn't don't tell me that you didn't at least breathe a sigh of relief when you saw how quick the ball came out like you saw oh, of course i enjoyed it Everyone enjoys difference it. he's got a zip to it's it. just like oh Blake shit has a zip to it. that's that's an nfl arm got it cool of course of course He's one of the most talented quarterbacks of the NFL. Straight up. He Every time Taylor throws a deep ball, it feels like it, I should be watching it in black and white. Like it's just like it should be a real. 
He's just this big wind up. And, oh! <laughs> Let's see how Carson does. I, I don't think you believe me when I say I want it to work. But I, I do. But I do because no, I, I, I don't I want think this Washington team to fans, have a quarterback. I do too. I just yeah. don't. I think Washington fans are so high and low on every. I think we make snap to snap judgments. And for the most part, not That's me. Most I'm, usually, I'm usually medium. Not me. I'm usually medium. The. Uh, I, I just think you guys wrote off Carson because you got so negative about him. Where it is, you should have been more medium on him than as negative as you were. That's my issue. I think, I think that people were okay. rushing to make firm judgments on things mm-hmm. when there needed to be more to, more that was seen. And that's that's it. Is I think we get so high and low sometimes. And I don't blame anybody because of how this franchise has gone for so many years, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. But there is an onus to want him. No, this is what it is now. This is, this is, this is worse as it's ever been. The- or it's as great as it's ever been. There was one player in particular where I really remember just being like, this dude so frustrated was that red zone pick against Tennessee. And that was again, Scott Turner, not giving it to one Brian Robinson jr. At the goal line. If yes. we were to look at issues, we've got offensive line first and foremost, because it's nearly impossible to run anything you want to, if you can't block. Right. Then to me, it's the OC and we made dis- we made, disagree there and then i think it's qb but those are the three most important pillars in an offense in my opinion your offensive line you need that to work in order to even have a conversation about anything unless you have a patrick mahomes or a joe burrow or even justin herbert who face pressure pretty consistently burrow and herbert in particular Mm. and still find ways to produce i agree with you the only thing i'd splice i'd say number one offensive line yep number two is play calling Number three is quarterback. Number four, I see see the distinction. Okay. Then, yes, play calling. I agree. Look at us. We agree. Um, Offensive line, play calling QB. I think we got problems with the first two. So that's where I go. But I think scheme and QB can make up for some stuff. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Okay. Three and four can help make up. Absolutely. Just that's the Burrow Herbert to me. QB is so fucking good. Uh, scheme and maybe talent is so fucking good. Right. That they can overcome, like Herbert's rookie year, that was the worst offensive line in football. Documented across the board. ESPN, PFF, you name it. Everyone was like, this sucks. Yep. <laughs> but but Herbert's great. Um, And then, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I don't think we have enough of scheme and QB to overcome those first two, but we'll see. Um, looking forward to it. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Looking forward to Friday, 2 p.m., guys. Uh, we've got ourselves the Browns preview. Deshaun Watson has looked terrible since coming back. May that it's getting better. continue. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the thing that worries me. But Friday, 2 p.m. We'll see you guys later. Bye. In D.C., we're just hoping that you listen. 